traveling through another dimension. Another dimension. A dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. But of mind. A journey into a wondrous land, land whose boundaries are that of imagination. That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop, the Twilight Zone. Tonight we begin with a couple of pieces of news before we get to our listener feedback show. First of all, it was announced yesterday that The Twilight Zone has been renewed for a second season. Now I'm really pleased about that. I've been enjoying this new show, I'm looking forward to the second half of this season, and it's nice to know that another season is on the way next year. So I'm really pleased, so congratulations to everyone involved with putting together this first season. The second piece of news is that unfortunately we didn't win the Ronda Award this year and you know that's okay it was always going to be a long shot to win it two years on the run but we were runner-up so I have to thank everyone for that you know everyone who took the time to vote I really appreciate it it would have been nice to take that award to Binghamton this year but that's okay the fact that I'm going to be in Binghamton this year is reward itself and the fact that so many of you voted to get to the runner-up position is really great as well so thank you for that so quite a politically charged twilight zone this time and i do have to admit i kind of knew it was coming i wasn't really looking forward to it not because i didn't want to see the episode i like i said i generally enjoyed the episode i suppose i recoiled slightly because Often these things online just descend into sort of chaotic fighting. And I didn't want to bring that aspect to this show. Likewise, I don't think you can have a topic like this without it getting somewhat political in the discussion of it. And we will see aspects of that in this listener feedback show too. So why don't I hand over to you, the listeners, to see what you thought of The Wonderkind. Just finished The Wonderkind, and at the risk of sounding like a broken record and coming on here week after week and saying, wow, this was great Twilight Zone, and what a masterpiece. Wow, this was great Twilight Zone, and what a masterpiece. I feel like, again, the series is pitch-perfect Twilight Zone. It's giving something that's new and unique while also paying just the right kind of tribute to the original stories. Uh, In this one, I saw some shades of Eye of the Beholder with the ongoing medical mystery that slowly unfolds and grounds the episode and ties into the bigger story, with the bigger story also being shades of It's a Wonderful Life with the adorable but tyrannical you know, child that has way too much power and becomes uh, an abusive monster with that power. And, you know, at the same time, it doesn't feel derivative. It doesn't feel like it's kind of just a a cheap slap together remake. It feels like comments are being made on present issues while still being grounded in timeless concerns like the tyranny of the masses and the danger of mob rule and the fact that systems and checks and balances are only as effective as the people make them year by year and and era by era you know there are no guarantees that 
things are always going to be okay. You know, you have to make them that way. You have to work within what you have. And if, you know, if you let things become a dumpster fire, they can, you know, the, the feeling that it can't happen here, it can happen here and it does happen here. And, you know, the, the closing and opening narrations were just pitch perfect. I felt like they were spot on, um, Serling-esque, uh, while, again, being something new and unique. So anyway, um, excellent stuff and uh, really love this one. Can't wait to see what everybody thinks. Cheers. I've had an email from Andrew and he says, Hi Tom, first off, thanks for making the podcast. It's great to hear your opinions and observations. Most of the time, I come away appreciating the episodes more. My thoughts on the new series has been pretty much in line with your reviews. I generally like the new episodes and think that they're very well produced. And I'm not one of those critics that's saying, this isn't Twilight Zone for such and such a reason. Like you and your guests have mentioned, Twilight Zone has been a lot of things over the years. The original Twilight Zone occasionally has some really lame episodes, so I think it's unrealistic and unfair to judge these new episodes as if they should all be as good as the monsters are due on Maple Street or Walking Distance. In my opinion, there haven't been any new episodes as bad as, say, Escape Clause or The Fever. On The Wonderkind, out of all the new episodes, this one felt least like a Twilight Zone episode. With all the political and personal manipulation, it felt more like a subplot that would be in the show House of Cards. Had more of the episode taken place after Oliver was elected, I think it would have felt more surreal and zony. The operating room reveal at the end is definitely a Twilight Zone ending, but it didn't really fit the rest of the episode. With how long the episode took to get to the White House, Raph's change of heart felt too rushed, and not in line with his character earlier in the episode. He was being more lenient with the kid than his parents and other people during the campaign, so it's weird that after winning he ends up being the only person that wants to intervene. Since I've been watching so many original series episodes, I can't help but to imagine how this story would have been told with those production restraints. It would probably have taken place in just a couple of rooms of the White House, as Raph builds up the nerve to talk to Oliver, and he would have just said the backstory to his campaign friend to bring us up to speed. It probably wouldn't have been as visually interesting to look at, but I bet the dialogue would have been better written. Unlike the other episodes, I'm struggling to get a central message out of the story. If it was all a criticism of US politics, then the character development of Raph seemed like a waste of time. If the point was for Raph to get cosmic justice for his arrogance, then why give him such a huge victory with the campaign? I just wish there was a more focused story. I could totally see this episode being written differently to portray the pressure that we put on kids to succeed and how it creates a kind of generational maturity debt where kids master skills earlier than their parents, but they aren't emotionally mature enough to handle the responsibility they're given. And maybe that's what the show is implying by Raph having been a wonderkind as well as Oliver. But those are a lot of mental hurdles to ask of the audience. Looking forward to hearing more of the podcast, and that's from Andrew. Thank you, Andrew. Hello, Tom. Harold Clark reporting in from Buda, Texas, talking about the Wonderkind. 
You know, it's nice to um, have a palate cleanser episode after uh, after the last one, A Traveler, being so confusing about what exactly they were trying to say. At least with at least with this episode, it was just a nice, straightforward um, episode. You know, not nothing nothing too deep, really. I mean, it's it really just it just showed everything on its sleeve. I mean, I don't want to necessarily talk about the low-hanging fruit of comparing comparing this to uh, the Trump presidency. You know, I'll leave that for other articles and, and whatnot. But um, it was just nice to have a nice, uh, simple story, one that that um, I I kind of figured out what the the twist was at the end of the episode and thought, oh, okay, well, that's nice. However, I actually didn't see the actual biggest twist coming for me. See, the biggest twist for me was not that, oh, he had outlawed old doctors and guess what? You're, you're going to get operated on a kid who's too distracted uh, because he's in the middle of some, some video game level to come and really do proper work on you. No, the big twist for me was that you, you find out that... that uh, the kid had actually lied about his dog having cancer just to get uh, just to get him back on his team and i thought the more i thought about that and puzzled it over my head i thought hmm now that is something to dig into you know uh why you know does it just come with the territory you know if you're a politician does that just come with the territory you're going to have to lie is that it? Uh, you know, a, an 11-year-old kid has figured out this is how you got to play the game, you know, in order to, to, to get voted in. You know, I thought, you know, again, the more I thought about it, I thought, well, if he lied about the dog, what else did he lie about? You know, and it just it just opened up a whole uh, stream of consciousness for me, you know, and, I, and I've been thinking about, you know, what the you know Twilight Zone has been, been touching on, you know, you had in, in replay, you had them talking about the Big Bang, you know, and then in A Traveler, you had them, you know, talk a little bit about, you know, the the Christian side of things with the, the, the Christian version of Christmas. And really, you know, what I hope that they do an episode on is is what is the the source of evil? You know, they've done a couple episodes now about lies and what is truth and Glenn Morgan mentioned in the article I mentioned last week that he says that's what this whole season is about. What is reality? What's truth? And um, and you know it would be great for them to try and tackle that. You know what? You know if 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 evil came from the Big Bang, what 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 was it that spurred that? On? Why does evil have to exist in a Big Bang type of world? You know, if you come at it from a Christian point of view, you know as Christians. You know, we have the whole Adam and Eve and temptation and that source of evil. You know, um, you know, uh, you know. Are there other philosophies, ways of thinking, other scientific things? You know, what what causes a person to to do something against another person that they know is going to hurt that person? Whether it's a lie, whether it's with a gun, whether it's with um, a punch, whether it's with uh, stealing, you know, what, what is it that makes a person want to do that, you know, and that's just something that I hope that they, that they tackle, 
uh, in some later episodes, if not this season, then later episodes. I think that would, I think there's plenty to, um, to, to mine from that idea. Um, on a different note, one other thing that uh, I wanted to mention was, you know, I watched the preview for the next episode, and the thing that I thought about that was that looked like a Doctor Who episode. And it got me to thinking, you know, back in the day, they didn't have trailers for the next episode. You know, Rod Serling would come on and say, next week we got a story about this. And it was just gave you the 50,000-foot level, you know, not not images and, and ideas and and I'm thinking, hmm, is that actually, you know, for us as modern viewers, is that, you know, giving us, you know, uh, you know, making us not maybe enjoy this version of Twilight Zone as much because we already kind of have an idea what's coming up? Um, you know, I'm just, I'm just curious of your thoughts on that, Tom. I mean, I know you're going through the old Twilight Zone episodes, and a lot of them I, I, either you haven't seen or you don't remember, perhaps. So I'm just curious, you know, do you enjoy going into an episode fresh? Just knowing what the title is and maybe taking a guess of what that episode might be, um, or do you actually do the do some research first? Do you, do you watch the episode and go back? I'm just curious to, to you know get your thoughts on that because I think for myself going forward, I'm not going to watch any of the of the trailers of the next episode. I want to go in fresh, maybe know what the title is and that's it, or maybe not even know the title, you know, and just see see how that changes my uh, enjoyment and perception of the episode. So anyway, I don't remember what the next episode is called because I kind of turned my head away after I was like, hmm, I've seen enough. So anyway, uh, we'll see what the uh, next episode brings us. And again, always uh, thanks for uh, uh, letting us have a a voice on the podcast. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Harold, before I answer your question, I just want to say thank you for your contribution so far. You've put something in every week, and I always look forward to it. Just these really balanced looks at each episode, and I think you've really added to the success of this part of the Twilight Zone podcast, so thank you for that. As far as your question goes, I'm kind of on the same page as you. When I review a classic episode... I like to stay as fresh on it as possible. Obviously, I've seen some of them. Some of the future ones, it's either been such a long time or or I haven't seen them. So I just like to come to it fresh. I don't read any reviews of them, except in very rare cases where I'm a bit stumped on what I think and I I need a bit of a kind of um, inspiration, I suppose. But for the most part, I like to stay fresh. And... It's funny you mentioned you kind of watched a bit of the teaser for the next one by accident. I did too, you know, you sort of get distracted and then all of a sudden it's there in front of your face. But I'm not really one for teasers either. Obviously I kind of watched the trailers leading up to the new Twilight Zone coming out. I couldn't help myself. You know, part of me wanted to not watch anything because... I just wanted that fresh experience, but, you know, I couldn't help myself. But for the most part, with these ones, I, I'll i probably make more of an effort not to watch the teaser for the one after the Mission to Mars episode. So I think I'm on the same page as you, Harold. Thanks for your question, and thanks for your contribution so far. I look forward to the next ones. Hi Tom, 
it's Dave from the Dark Corner Podcast. So, I believe we're halfway through the season, which I think gives us a decent vantage point of the series so far. I have to say, overall, I'm a bit disappointed, which is odd as there is a lot in this series to like, from casting to the actual acting, the composing of the music, the set direction. There's so much to like in this series, especially Jordan Peele's role as the narrator. So the one thing that seems to be lacking is the writing. When you speak of the Twilight Zone, at least a classic series, yeah, there were some lesser episodes here and there, and I think the fifth season in particular for me was a little lacking. But overall, if you were watching the Twilight Zone, the writing really shined through, especially when compared to the other television shows of the era. And in the age we live in now, there is so much great content, so much well-written television, that The Twilight Zone really needs to step up if it wants to live up to its reputation. There is a joke that John Finnemore did in Cabin Pression. I think he did a similar thing in his sketch comedy show, Souvenir Program, where he talks about an ice cream van with cartoon characters painted on the side. And they're licensed cartoon characters, whether that be Warner Brothers or Disney. But there's something slightly off about them. Perhaps they have no pupils in the eyes, or they're wearing the wrong color shirt. That's what I'm getting from this Twilight Zone. I've only really liked Replay so far. And even so, I think, as a lot of the feedback has mentioned, it feels like an episode in two parts. And it seems like you could split the episode in half and make them into two separate stories. I also found myself rewriting the episodes in my head. A Traveler, wherein I thought it would have been a better story had the stranger been the devil and that the sheriff's pardon meant something. That by pardoning this stranger on Christmas Eve, he would have forgiven the devil his crimes and released him from hell. That would make a more compelling story and tie it in more with the Christmas theme. And it did seem a bit odd how seemingly anti-Christmas the episode was when it seemed Rod Serling was quite the fan of Christmas and some of the Christmas episodes were the better episodes of The Twilight Zone. I had similar problems with the Wunderkind as an analog for Trump that I felt they could have done more with it. And it seemed odd that everyone seemed to be fine with this kid president other than the campaign manager that got him there. It was implausible to start and it never quite justified the reaction. I figure if you look at the acceptance of Trump by the grand old party, is that a lot of people in office can profit off him. But what else did it have to tell us, really? It just left me wishing they had gone over the draft a few more times, or had thrown out the story in favor of a better one. It seems the series is, in its attempts to tie back to the original, a bit too adherent to what's come before, whether that's the monsters do on Maple Street, 
or It's a Good Life and The Wunderkind. I think by not attempting to reflect stories of old, they'd be able to tell fresh new stories. I'm reminded of Aristotle and his opinions of art, and it comes to removing anything that does not progress the story. And there's a lot of filler in these episodes. They are long, and I think the explicit language hurts as well. It's a kid trying to wear his father's clothing. It's an imitation, but it doesn't quite reach the same maturity level. It's not as refined as the original series. And I think by focusing on the theme of the story and not muddying the waters with any excess, we could have a really great series because everything else is there. I just want better writing. Hello, Tom. This is Grace. I just had some thoughts on uh, the past couple episodes that I'd like to share. Firstly, for the episode A Traveler, I have to say I got a big Monsters Are Due on Maple Street and Will the Real Martian Please Stand Up vibes off of this. I think it combines those two tones really well. The mischievous manipulation of a traveler and the mob-like panic between the townspeople, it had that kind of feel going on. It did take me a bit to realize what exactly was happening. I thought for a while that a traveler was reading minds or some such thing at first, and then I just couldn't get that out of my head the whole time while watching it. <laughs> it was a head scratcher on the first watch, but I did enjoy the episode. The dual meanings with colonialism in our country, the oppression and reluctant compliance of Native American peoples, parallels the oncoming alien invasion. The colonizers, have become the colonized. I love the references to Ida Lupino and Richard Matheson and seeing Talkie Tina and Caesar under the Christmas tree, as well as the end where Jack and Traveler are just sitting, eating a piece of pie, I guess waiting for the ships to land. Kind of a quirky ending, but I found it enjoyable. With the Wonderkind, firstly, just off the bat, the Whipple brand is everywhere in this. It's the broadcast news channel, um, even to the pinball machine in the Oval Office. And apparently it's supposed to pop up again in the next episode. I think it's meant to be just a universal brand like Apple or Amazon or some such thing, but I digress. When it comes to the episode itself, I think this could be seen as a spiritual remake of It's a Good Life. A child president surrounded by yes-men can be paralleled with a godlike child surrounded by frightened townspeople telling him everything he does is good, real good. The main theme of this episode is the consequences of hubris, how ego combined with a heaping helping of razzle-dazzle can blind you and lead to disastrous consequences. I think ego is what Oliver and Raph have in common they are both driven by their own egos. At the beginning of the episode, Raph touts his book, his success story, even before the Stevens election has even been decided. And the first thing we hear Oliver talk about is how many views he has on YouTube. Raph actually reminds me a little bit more of the snake oil salesman in Mr. Garrity and the Graves, boasting and promoting what he's selling to the masses, 
not actually thinking it would work, and when it does, it comes back on him in a big way. <laughs> in this case, with the Wonderkind, the country buys it. They vote Oliver into office, but they're so blind to the show that's being put on, they just don't see that the situation is worse than anyone could have thought. Oliver's unstable, his ego comes first, his word is law without discussion. And if any of his words are not heeded or are challenged at all, out you go, into the cornfield, so to speak. I've read somewhere that sociopaths tend to be very successful people. They climb the ladder well, they're appealing to a variety of people, but are very manipulative and lack empathy. And going with that, I would say that Oliver is quite the little sociopath. I think these same things of the consequences of hubris and uh, overblown ego can apply to any number of people in any position of power or influence in any time and place in our whole history. History tends to repeat itself, after all. I love John Cho's acting in this. I don't know if you've seen the film Searching, but he's just awesome in that, and it's worth checking out. I've never seen Room with Jacob Tremblay, but it's been on my list for a long time, and I really want to watch it soon. Overall, I enjoyed this episode. I think it presents an original story idea, while still being a spiritual successor to a classic Twilight Zone episode. I can't wait to see new, the new stories that we're going to be getting. I'm just so excited for this. Thanks, Tom. Take care. Hey Tom, I missed my chance last week to comment on A Stranger. Not much to add, I agreed with a lot of what was said in your recap. In terms of setting, I thought it was the best of the season so far. With its desolate Alaskan setting, um, oddly high-tech cell area, it felt like a cross between John Carpenter's A Thing and something out of Resident Evil. As for the episode itself, I'm pretty torn. I think it had a lot of classic teasy elements, but I'm in agreement with comments from last week's show from... Um, Uncommon NASA and uh, the gentleman from Texas, who both said the episode felt a little scattershot. If the writers wanted to tell a story about the consequences of colonialism or the secularization of religious holidays, I'm all for that. I'm, I'm always open for them to, to do something risky or, or interesting or new, but the story should focus on those points, not just toss them in. Um, it cheapens <clears throat> those points when it's done in a scattershot way. So, for Wonderkin, um, unless I missed it, I don't think there was actually a teasy element to this episode. At first, I thought maybe this kid had a bit of Anthony to him, and that maybe people couldn't help but love him, or help but believe him, or he had the power to make the world sort of bend to his will, but I don't think that's the case. Ultimately, I think it's the weakest of the season so far. At times, it felt like a bad Saturday Night Live skit that went on for too long. Uh, I hate to be completely negative, uh, so I will say that the show continues to get the best out of its cast. I don't think there's been a mediocre performance so far, let alone a bad one. Um, Wonderkin does mark the halfway point of the season. Um, I've enjoyed this reincarnation far more than I've disliked it. I'm excited for the second season. The, the next episode looks different. It looks like it has a bit of that 2001 uh, Space Odyssey to it. So we'll see <clears throat> what uh, what happens, but... Looking forward to hearing from you and everybody else for the rest of the year. All right, thanks, Tom.
Hi, Tom. Brandon Shamutella here, friend of the show. Just wanted to send my thoughts into you regarding the latest episode of Underkind. And I, I really did not enjoy this episode a lot. Uh, I found this episode to be extremely frustrating. Now, I'm in Canada, and, you know, I'm not a big fan of politics in general, and I really don't mind when my television shows tackle controversial topics. I don't mind when my television shows tackle current affairs. I don't mind when they hold up a mirror to society. But I don't. I just couldn't get past the concept of this episode. I found it completely implausible and asinine. And I mean, I understand that that's exactly the point that they're trying to make, and they are really hitting the nail on the head by saying, how could you elect a child into the White House? And hey, USA, that's exactly what you did with Donald Trump. And I am not the world's, the guy's ridiculous, and uh, I can't believe he's still in, in office. And that's exactly what they're trying to say in the episode, but it just didn't work for me because the using Oliver to be an actual child is just ridiculous. Like, it's not even a concept that I can suspend disbelief at any time. You know, like, I don't know. It's just, maybe that's exactly what they're trying to say, but it just, it really didn't work for me at all because these people are just blindly talking in the street. I can get behind the things that these are supporting and I can't just picture some, you know, 50-year-old dude being pulled in the street supporting policies of like free video games for people and these people are saying this so i don't know i just complete total suspension of disbelief is not even possible in this episode and i found it so frustrating so i don't know i'm not missing the point i know exactly what they're trying to say this was a swing and this was a complete and total miss for me and I mean, I give this episode a zero out of five. I don't even know if that's possible. So uh, maybe if I watch it again, I'll enjoy it more because I know I wasn't the biggest fan of the comedian and watching it again a second time, I actually enjoyed it quite a bit more. Uh, I still think the comedian was too long, but I did enjoy it quite a bit more. So I don't know. I think that this episode is going to cause a lot of controversy for different reasons than what I'm saying. You know, I think a lot of people are going to be offended that, oh, you're just making fun of U.S. politics and look at these people and and clearly they're against Trump. And like, oh, I don't know, that's fine. I got no problem with that. I just, the suspension of disbelief is just not plausible by putting an, a literal child in office. And while somebody will come back and say, well, yes, Trump is a little chi literal child. No, he's not. He's actually a grown man. He may just act like a child. Anywho... I'm enjoying the season so far. I really, really loved... I, I watched again last night. I watched with Aubrey the first time. We watched the A Traveler episode, and I really loved that episode. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, I think the episodes are a little too long, though, in general. Um, I think they're trying to put a little bit too much. I think they could trim each of these episodes down just a little bit, and it'd probably make them a little bit more tight and concise. Uh, I think that the hour liberation might be a little bit too much and somebody just needs to trim them down a little bit thanks for your great work thanks for the twilight zone podcast keep it up i love you man you're doing a great job p.s tom i think i forgot to say it in the last feedback there i saw that ending coming from a mile away which is okay but again i don't know i think com that combined with the rest of the episode was just frustrating enough anywho 
Ciao. I've had an email from TZ Fan. Okay, you and me both. And they say, after looking around online, I realize this isn't popular to say, but I felt this was a well done episode. You know, so do I. I think it was I think it was a really good episode, you know. Maybe I undersold it last time. I did enjoy it. Um but it just left me with a bit of food for thought on a few things and you know, a few things to mull over, which is not necessarily a bad thing, you know, that's uh, that's not a bad thing at all. And TZ Fan goes on, politics aside, and despite the fact it was a little over the top, the show craftily explored the many factors and dangers that could arise from an outsider candidate winning an election and coming to power. Again, the episode was not perfect. Again, I think the episode was a little too long for my taste, and it was certainly a little corny in parts. But I have to say I enjoyed it for the most part. While the allusions to Trump are very clear, I think the writers also did a good job of getting at some of the other underlying ideas. Here are some of the ideas I had and points from the show that I felt indicated them. 1. An internet child star gets serious consideration as a presidential candidate. While a lot of people are pointing to this as a shortcoming of the show or something they can't accept as being realistic, I believe it was an intentional component placed there by the writers, if not the main point, and you are meant to ask yourself why people look the other way when extremes happen in politics. You are meant to reflect and say this is ridiculous. But is it really more ridiculous than what's going on with many world leaders today? I'm just going to butt in here a moment because it's not something I really had a problem with. I think almost the point of this new season is that that it is just to one side of reality you know you just nudge things slightly that you just nudge things slightly in another direction and and this is what you get kind of thing and it was never a problem for me that they presented a story like this i think part of that is that america has always been like a fantasy place to me you know i've spent a lot of time in america like i said i love it and even going for a cup of coffee in a coffee shop is like going to Disneyland for me because I just have such a, a love of Americana and being around the people and so on. So it is kind of like a fantasy place for me anyway. So something a bit like this happening in an episode of The Twilight Zone, not really a big deal for me. Sorry for interrupting your email, but uh, I'll go on. Okay, number two, the YouTube videos, the views, and the vlogs. The writers use these items to raise a few questions. Is it possible to be a good leader if you prioritize entertainment over substance? What can happen if a large portion populace also values entertainment over substantive policy discussion? In the end, it seems they conclude that the cult of personality, catchy slogans, and page views rule the day. When politics becomes a song and dance, it becomes easier to forget about the underlying real consequences of the decisions being made. Interviews on the street with votes and the cynicism that lead to Oliver being considered. In times of turmoil, can cynicism trump informed scepticism? People can become so disillusioned with established norms that they'll believe something extreme if it feels like a better alternative to the status quo. The idea of using a child is obviously an extreme, but the exaggeration is meant to illustrate the point. All the outsider arguments like, 
he could never win or he would have no idea what he's doing can be overtaken by someone who can connect with the people and stare emotion. Number four, considering Oliver's lack of experience, knowledge and the kid doctor. When people have disdain for traditional sources of knowledge, expertise and wisdom, facts become opinion and pseudo-truth can become mainstream. Who needs to know foreign policy when your view is new and different? The writers seem to point to the idea that simplicity over nuance, sloganeering over substance and personality over professionalism can all be both underestimated and influential. Though far from an original view, the final scene asks the question, would you trust an inexperienced person to do a job that requires precision? Number five, considering his mom. When the person or people mean to keep a leader in check, also benefit from him being in power, can you really have unbiased oversight? Number six, considering the penguins, video games for all, no doctors and the swings in the office. Norms are only norms because we follow them. A lot of things held in place are held there by tradition. What happens when someone has no regard for institutional forbearance? When someone comes along and makes a mockery of those norms? The guardrails come off, there's a huge chance for the abuse of power. Number seven, considering the treason accusation, the need for support and the abuse of power. Unwavering support and the call for purity can result in forced binary decisions that demand support while shirking nuance, and in some cases, reality, i.e. the hole-in-one. Oliver uses this ability to create an in-group and an out-group that he uses to test loyalty. He says something to the effect of, either you're with me, or I can hire others to replace you. This style of behaviour is not one that encourages openness in thinking and dialogue. The concern here isn't finding truth and betterment for all, it is maintaining power. This allows the leader to abuse power and use his powers to the logical extremes. While the message wasn't subtle, I do think it was effective. I really enjoyed the episode, and maybe that's because I do agree with the politics of it. Perhaps I'm looking at it too closely and seeing what I want to see, also another theme in the episode. But I think it could be a good learning tool about the factors that lead to extreme politics and the potential fallout. Thanks for writing in. Hello, Tom. Uh, this is Bob from the U.S. I hope you're doing well. I last responded following the uh, first two episodes that we had of this, and now that we have five total, maybe it's even half the season, I just wanted to chime in regarding my thoughts. I, I really wanted to let more of the season as a totality sink in, marinate, so I could have more of a holistic feedback on this. I think it's a good time to to, to respond on this. And, and some of the key takeaways that I've seen so far, we had in episode one, the uh, comedy routine uh, was used to really denounce gun ownership and Second Amendment rights. It's not really an overt message. Not central to the story. It's just kind of like dropping a little cyanide in the lemonade. And in episode two, I feel this is probably the most storytelling of all the episodes. But we do see uh, one key message being that um, you should not judge people on their actions. Rather, you should be judging them on the color of their skin. With minorities being given a free pass or, or at best the benefit of the doubt if it appears they're doing something uh doing something suspicious and in episode three 
replay, that's so clear and straightforward. It really doesn't require any any parsing. It just clearly sets up a false narrative that uh, whites, white males in particular, white male cops specifically hate all blacks and they're bent on their destruction. And this is most clearly depicted when uh, the, the hero, the woman's brother, um, says that, that, that these constant attacks by whites have been taking place for forever. He's been chronicling it. That's his mission. And then in the ending sequence where, as you can clearly see, it's all white males with their guns pointed at the black heroes. Um, episode four, this is another story kind of like Nightmare. And uh, one of the unfortunate things in this, which again just did not have to be done, is that the narrator actually says in his opening sequence uh, that, that this Christianity is, is the biggest myth of all time. Um, then Jordan closes out the show by reiterating it uh, as a myth. And now that I've finished watching uh, yesterday's episode, Wonderkind, um, I can't really find the moral of that story at all, except uh, it just looks like it's serving as a complete hit piece on the current president of the United States, likening him to a immature little kid that ultimately literally kills those that he disagrees with. So taken in total, the show really has alienated and attacked conservatives, right-leaning people, Christians. I mean, let me ask a question. Um, can you find any examples in any of these episodes where a white male is a hero? And, and how many examples do you see where the white male is the villain? Uh, when I grew up, I think I mentioned to you before, I was born in the 60s, and a lot of my heroes growing up that really shaped my thought process were, were Rod Serling in The Twilight Zone, Stan Lee in Marvel Comics, Gene Roddenberry in Star Trek, and I'm still very plugged in uh, with all those franchises. And I, I clearly understand the, and appreciate the utilization of entertainment media to convey social issues. But where I feel this new series has really crossed the line is that it continually sets up a false narrative of reality to further its arguments. Straw men are, are set up to be easily knocked down, and in replay it uh, portrays the shooting of black men by white cops as, as pandemic in the U.S. And, and when I listen to the listener feedback, it's just unfortunate that, uh, say, you in the U.K. said... These were things you weren't totally aware of. You've now got a false view of what's going on over here in the United States. It is just not the case. I would ask any of your viewers that weren't even aware of this to go and, and look at the national database that's been kept by the Washington Post since 2015. A very liberal newspaper. It's keeping the facts, and it just does not pan out that black men are being shot more than than uh, white people. And, and so in some, this series really is just going to be most appreciated by individuals whose views align with those of the producers and of Jordan Peele. And I would argue that those views just all too often have been shaped by a mainstream media and even higher education here in the U.S. that consistently presents only one side of each issue while demonizing the other side. And then they themselves are funded by larger globalist agendas of people like George Soros and others. And uh, as, as I really end this, I think it's just a... a complete shame that in, in almost the 10 years that I've listened to you and your podcast, I really feel like we've become a, a, a type of family. I and mean, I've never met you, I've never met any of the listeners, but I, I feel very close. Uh, and, and while at times I may infer political thoughts and feelings um, from you and other listeners, that, that never has entered into my thoughts in terms of enjoying the podcast and again, feeling like a family. But now with this series... I, I feel completely separated, uh, like an outcast um, in the room from your listeners and, and from this family as I hear the feedback and the love of this new show. And, and I just hope that at least some of your listeners will stop and think about these messages, consider whether this new show is really serving to bring society together and heal racial tensions, 
or is it further dividing things? Uh, consider the replay episode again. I mean, if you were a young black man, would you leave that episode feeling greater love and racial harmony, or would you leave it wanting to go out and kill a police officer? And unfortunately, that's exactly what's been happening the last few years. We've seen an uptick in violence against police, and shows like this just are not helping. Um, so, I mean, that, 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 that's all I've got on this. I just, I can't support the agenda and mission of this show anymore. Um, best wishes to you, Tom. Like I said, I will always be a supporter of yours. Uh, I'm going to have to back off of this particular series. We'll definitely come back when you get back to the, uh, the original Twilight Zone. But uh, as others have said, let's just all strive for a better tomorrow with less division and, and less attention to the color of one's skin and more harmony and love for everybody as human beings. So that, that's all I've got. Uh, take care. Bye. I've had an email from John and he says, a good story should be timely or it should be timeless. Some of my favorite of the original Twilight Zone episodes were timeless, dealing with themes that were universally understood and would be as relevant today as they were when the series was created. The Twilight Zone 2019 is going for timeliness rather than timelessness. The stories address contemporary issues and current events and the show isn't afraid to tackle some uncomfortable issues. That said, this latest Twilight Zone iteration, and especially the episode The Wonderkind, has left me feeling more than a little disappointed. The world of the Twilight Zone isn't quite the world any of us live in. Usually, I'm able to suspend disbelief and accept the world that is being presented to me. I can accept a Twilight Zone episode with an 11-year-old becoming president, and I can even accept a child president wielding absolute power. But in an attempt to be timely, the writers and producers of this episode didn't try to be subtle. The 11-year-old American president is a thinly veiled stand-in for US President Donald Trump. He even looks a bit like Donald Trump's youngest son, Barron. He acts like a cross between Trump and former Toronto Mayor Rob Ford, for those who remember his antics just a few years ago. Actually, pretty much everything about the kid is a nod to Trump. The use of social media, the love of junk food, the temper, the golfing scene near the end, and several of the lines after Oliver becomes president. The free video games platform and the way he wants to make this promise come true seemed reminiscent of the way Trump made promises during his campaign. At the end, Oliver supporters respond much the way Trump supporters have responded including the accusations of treason against those who dare to question the president. And just in case anyone missed the comparison, the story is set in the world of American politics and the White House. It wasn't a story set in a fictional country, as was done in numerous episodes of the original series of The Twilight Zone. Consider Eye of the Beholder and The Obsolete Man as just a couple of examples. If the goal was to do a parody of current US politics, this episode has hit the mark. This episode draws on the beginning and ending scenes of To Save Man, and also from scenes and the concept from It's a Good Life, but The Wonderkind falls short of those episodes. To Save Man raised some difficult questions about Cold War politics without giving easy answers. It's a Good Life was an examination of a spoiled child, not an allegory about a president. Instead, watching this episode left me feeling as if I'd been hit over the head with a bowling ball. 
I'm glad the Twilight Zone writers have chose to take on timely topics and contemporary issues rather than going the simple route of remaking well-loved original series episodes. There's something wonderfully fresh about the new episodes I have seen so far, and I applaud the writers and directors for choosing to address social issues. It's not enough for stories to entertain, good storytelling must also challenge and may even upset the audience. Done right, any of the episodes I have seen so far could have served as catalysts for some much-needed dialogue and discussion. This episode and replay are both heavy-handed in their treatment of contemporary issues. Others have taken issue with political messages in the rest of the episodes as well, and have walked away from the series as a result. My concern is that instead of promoting dialogue, the series will simply serve to further polarise an already divided nation. What good is it to make a bold statement on social issues if only those in agreement will even listen to it? I'm hoping for something more in the coming episodes. The Twilight Zone 2019 series has so much potential and the episodes are well made. What I have seen so far has been some of the best television I've watched in years. Will this series be as memorable and significant as the original series or even the 1980s version, or will it instead end up forgotten in the dark corner of the digital archives of the future? And that's from John. Thank you, John. Hey, Tom. It's Uncommon NASA. Giving you some submitted for your approval on The Wonderkind, episode 5 of the new Twilight Zone. I don't know. I have a couple of different approaches for this. I'm really torn over this episode. Um, I've now watched it twice. I kind of um, backed into sort of a, a social experiment with this episode because um, normally me and my wife will watch them together. Um, we got home late last night from going to see Avengers Endgame um, and she was done and I really wanted to watch the episode. So stayed up and watched it alone and um, man, I really, really disliked it on the first watch. I... I don't know if you remember what I said last week. I was not a fan of The Traveler. I went to bed wishing that I could watch The Traveler again because I felt like this was definitely worse than, than The Traveler. And I kind of set my wife up today and I said, you know, we're going to watch it today. I'm going to watch it with you um, because you need to see it. And she was like, oh, you must really like this one. And I was like, yeah, sure. And I kind of went along with that. I didn't say that I liked it or didn't like it. I just wanted to see it again because I needed to confirm a few things and see how much I did dislike it, if that is even the case. You know, maybe I was too harsh. Maybe it was too late. Maybe I was, like, falling asleep too much. So we watched it, and uh, we got to the end of the episode, and I just said simply, you know, like, what'd you think? She was like, I liked it. And... And she did like it. And, and there were moments where when I watched it in the second half, um, you know, the second half, the second act of this, if you want to call it two acts, you know, before he gets elected and after he gets elected, I think after he gets elected is great. Uh, before he gets elected is a bit painful. But, uh, and I was laughing. There, there were moments where I laughed and, and, and I, I really enjoyed it. So, I don't know. It's weird. I'm sort of inspired by, by you, Tom, last week because um, we had exchanged some emails and you kind of gave me a heads up that you weren't a huge fan of The Traveler. And I think on first watch, you weren't. And then 
when you did your review, you had watched it a second time and you liked it a lot better. And I, I kind of feel the same way. I don't, I don't think I've come full circle on it because I think there's one fatal flaw in this that I guess I'll say for the end of, of my little spiel here um, that I think just completely makes it, it, it prevents it from being what could be considered like a good episode, um, at least to me. So a couple of quick things to get to before I get to that. Um, some likes and dislikes. There are some small writing things that just drove me a little nuts in this episode. Um, first of all, the kid becomes uh, like a YouTube star just because he makes a video about run fake running for president. And um, he has 8 million views and he has 12 million views like a couple weeks later. And, you know, I I'm no big deal. But I know people that have had 8 million views on videos personally. Like I... And no one listening to the sound of my voice would probably have ever heard of those people. So it's kind of interesting to me that like they they made this episode without really knowing like the current numbers you have to put up to be sort of a viral video. Um, you know, at this point in YouTube's history, you know, you would think they were a little more tech savvy than that. I'm not saying that eight million views is not is not impressive or isn't good. Um, it's great. I, I, I sure as hell don't get 8 million views on my videos on YouTube. But, you know, when you're talking about, like, a child running for president or, or even just becoming popular on, um, you know, the Good Morning America circuit, I, I don't think that you can do that with that amount of views. Maybe I'm wrong, but it seems weird. I also didn't like the way the YouTube video, quote-unquote, looked. When they were watching it at the bar, it just looked like it was shot on a regular camera. It didn't look like it was shot like the way somebody that has a viral YouTube video would have done it. I think it would have been a lot more jarring and real had they done it on like a cell phone camera, like they actually shot it on a cell phone camera and made that the the video he got famous off of. I think it would have been more endearing and it would have added more to your belief, which I'll get to later, that this could actually happen. A really, really nitpicky thing, John Cho's character, um, the campaign manager, he had a drinking problem, and he kept making this joke about chamomile and, uh, you know, how you'd quit drinking. And his co-worker continued to reference that. She referenced it twice, like, oh, I guess the chamomile thing's over, you know, you're back on, you know, whatever. He never said that comment to her in the episode. He said that to the parents in the episode. So I know that that's a little eye-rolly, like, who cares, but... I just, that was just weird to me, where I'm just like, I, I don't, I don't understand how that could get by people editing. So, what do I like about the episode? After he gets elected president, uh, a lot of really funny lines, um, a lot of good Trump digs, um, that I think are fair and funny. And I think if you don't find them fair and funny, then, you know, that's kind of on you. Um, I was curious, I, I tried to look this up, I was curious if some of those quotes were actual Trump quotes that they repurposed for the show and put in the kid's mouth. And I couldn't find any proof of that. Um, but there are certain lines like um, some of the things about him getting a hole-in-one on the golf course and some of the things about, um, you know, if you guys don't carry out my policies, I'll fire you. Lots of people want to work here. We'll just get people that'll do it. Um, those just sound like things that Trump would say. And I'm sure he said something like that. And I wonder if those are like things that are floating in those like 
behind the scenes books that I never read that you, you see the people, you know, like Woodward, like doing press tours with. One thing I want to shout out that was really great was the scene with, um, I guess the chairman of the joint chiefs or whoever the military person was when he's in the hallway with the campaign manager. And I just thought that was so brilliant. It kind of sums up where we are in this country at this point. Um, you know, he's just like, well, if people have their video games, his poll numbers are up, and I'm here to serve the, the commander-in-chief. And um, I thought that just his face and the way that that scene was done was really perfect. And, you know, when he says treason, he just turns around. You know, after he accuses him of treason, he just turns around and walks off. And he just gets further and further into the distance. That was really well done. And it just it kind of sums up the way that people are, I think, in this administration that we have in real life where they're just willing to say crazy things like accuse people of treason and just walk away like like they said nothing like it like it like it was nothing the biggest problem with this episode and i think that the thing that blocks it from from being something that i could fully enjoy is it's just not believable um there is no science fiction and no mystical element to this i'm just supposed to believe that an 11 year old got elected president and and you know, now if he had some kind of power of hypnotism or if there was, you know, something else amiss, I thought this would have been a better episode. I know that the hypnotism thing is a little bit on the nose, but like something like that, I think there could have been a creative way to slide more science fiction in it. I said this to my wife and then she asked me if there were episodes on the Twilight Zone, the original Twilight Zone that didn't have a mystical element to it. And I said, yes, there were. And some of them are great, like an episode like The Silence. But this wasn't that. You know, this the the silence, everything was very believable in the silence. Um, you know, two men made a bet and their egos got the best of them and they did things they shouldn't have and it and you know, it was an unbelievable story, but it was also a story that could happen and so the fact that there wasn't a mystical element to it was just fine. You can't say that about this episode. That to me holds it back. I just I, I don't believe that in, first of all, it's not legal for an eleven year old to be voted president. It's not legal for you know, the mother to have her name on the ballot, but you're really voting for this 11-year-old. None of those things are real. So, like, there has to be a reason I can buy into why that happened or didn't happen. I think that's a big holdup for me, uh, unfortunately, with the episode. Um, I, I don't know if this is my, my least favorite of the five. It's, it's right there with The Traveler. You know, I said if The Traveler was the first episode, I would have been really thrown off by that and if this was the second episode following it I would have been even more terrified um and that comes from someone that loved the first three episodes I am glad that I watched it twice because I do get more of it I don't know if I get more of it because again it's still an un a very unbelievable story just like that was another problem with um Passenger is there were just things that happened in that episode that didn't make any sense that that weren't humanistic enough for me that weren't human beings reacting in the way that a real-life person would. And I think when The Twilight Zone was at its best, even though you were dealing with science fiction, people were reacting in ways that were normal um, for real people. Um, I think when Serling criticized himself the harshest, it was when he did have something play out in The Twilight Zone that wasn't a real reaction. I guess I like this one a little bit better than The Passenger, but in fairness, I have not watched The Passenger a second time. I also... To be fair to me, I also haven't watched Replay a second time, and I loved Replay, so it really depends on timing. This episode didn't evoke a lot of passion in me. If you listened to me last week, I, I really was, was kind of fired up about the editing, and in this episode, I'm kind of like, eh, you know. <laughs> I didn't really like it because of this, that, and the third, but I, I'm not really that fired up about it one way or another, and I, as an artist, I know that that's kind of like the weakest reaction you can get. Again, it's not to knock anyone that was in the episode. Um, I think they did their best. 
I mean, we got to see John Larroquette. I mean, and he was good. He had a very limited role, um, but he was good. I would have liked to have seen him have more lines, actually. You know, we're, we're still up three to two, I think. So <laughs> we've got, I think, five more episodes to go, and we're, we're running a good clip. So there's our episode on The Wonderkin. Thanks to everyone for your contributions. As I said in the last show, the next episode is going to be, because we're at the halfway point, I wanted to kind of go back to the original TZ for an episode and put a classic episode out too. But that is not instead of the next Modern Twilight Zone episode, it's as well as. So there's going to be quite a lot of Twilight Zone podcast this week. I think we all know the routine by now. The next episode drops on the 2nd of May. So if you can have your thoughts in on that by the 5th of May, that would be great. Got quite a busy week coming up, so the main show episode might not be out till the 5th anyway. I'm going to see how it goes. But uh, don't let that stop you putting your feedback in by emailing me at tz2019 at thetwilightzonepodcast.com. That's tz2019 at thetwilightzonepodcast.com. I will stress this time, my time is going to be at a premium over the next week, so if you are able to put it on a sound clip, that would be preferable because it's just a lot quicker to put together and I may need to leave emails out or cut them down as I have had to do in this one uh, with a couple of them just purely for time reasons because it takes a while to put everything together. So that's enough for me. Next time we are looking at four o'clock and then we'll be back to New Twilight Zone and I will speak to you soon.